Hello everyone, live from McKillop College, Werribee in Melbourne, Australia. You're listening to Mac Live on Live FM. My name is Rachel and today my co-host is Rebecca and our special guests are Lauren and Russell Mark who are Olympic clay shooters. Russell is a gold medalist in 1996 Atlanta Games and a silver medalist in Sydney in 2000. Russell and Lauren competed alongside each other at the London 2012 game and this was Russell's sixth game appearance as he finished 20th in the double, in the double trap. Lauren was born in the USA to an international shooting coach and after she failed to get into the US Olympic team for the 2000 Sydney Games, she then moved to Australia. She competed for Australia in the 2002 Commonwealth Games where she became a dual gold medalist after taking out individual and pair skeet events. Hello Lauren and Russell and welcome to the show. So first up, what is your name and what do you do for a living? I guess I'll start, Russell Mark. Um, I'm 58 now, isn't it sad, sad, but <laughs> occupation is a difficult one because I've got a few. I've, I'm the coach of the Indian shooting team. I'm uh, owner of a couple of hotels here in Werribee, Hotel 520 and the Tigers Clubhouse. So I've got a diverse range of um, skills. And I guess years ago, um, when I finished school, I went to university to, to get a degree in business studies, majoring in real estate valuation. So my family have a real estate business in in Werribee also, Brian Mark Real Estate. Yeah, and uh, he left out husband and father, so he's very busy. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so, uh, and I'm most known as uh, his wife, actually. Uh, That's how people know me, but, uh, or these days, Sierra and Indy's mother. But uh, um, I'm also the high performance manager for the Indian shooting team now. And I also run Go Shooting, which uh, does like corporate events, box parties, and sort of fun events for people that want to try clay shooting sports for the first time. Um, and also, you know, coaching from sort of C grade all the way through uh, to Olympic level shooters. What made you want to pursue this industry? It's it's an interesting one for most of us, I think, because um, it sort of just happens. You know, a lot of people ask, uh, you know, people like of your age, what you want to do when you get older. And it's funny because I tell people all the time, I still don't know what I want to do. Yeah. Um, life has sort of worked itself out for me. Um, you know, it started as a passion or a sport that my father introduced me into, which is often the case with the shooting sports. It's often introduced through your family. Yeah. And, um, you know, I got stuck on the dream of trying to go to the Olympic Games and trying to win an Olympic gold medal and you know I met him through sport and created a business through sport now I you know make a full occupation through something that was really just a hobby or a sport and a passion at the time so I've been very very fortunate in my life yeah what made you want to compete professionally Uh, for me it was I wanted to go to an Olympic Games I I love football and cricket as a kid but they weren't Olympic sports and for me there was something about the Olympic Games every four years that I really loved um, and my father was involved in a little bit in clay target shooting, and I knew that that was an Olympic sport, but I resisted it for quite some time. And then um, just by chance, I had a shot at, at a competition at a clay target club up in Ballarat and found out I was pretty good at hitting clay targets. So one thing led to another, and I started um, competing. And it was really only because shooting was an Olympic sport. If it wasn't, I probably would have stayed and played football and cricket a bit longer. How often do you train and how do you train? Yeah, look, it's a good question. Um, I probably trained a thousand shots a week at my peak. Um, And my peak, I guess, at training was in the 
late 80s, early 90s, um, I learned that a thousand shots a week was too much and I started to train smarter. And after the 92 Olympics, I started to get really high technical performance plans put together. So leading into the Atlanta Olympics, I probably halved the amount of physical training on the range that I did, but then diversified that into physical training, aerobic training, because the people that really become the elite people in any sport aren't the people that just train in that sport. They cross over and do other training. So I sort of learned the value of um, strength and physical and aerobic fitness. And leading into the 96 Olympics, which I won, I probably was spending half the amount of time physically training on the range shooting clay targets, but probably three times the amount actually physically doing things to help my body. So when you were training, was it different in aspects of shooting and how it was considered dangerous back then? Yeah, it's a good question. I won the 96 games, as I said, and three months before that, there was the unfortunate incident in Port Arthur of a massacre of 36 people with a gun. And shooting was a very, um, it wasn't a popular sport because of that at the time. There's no other way to say it. People didn't like shooters because everyone blamed anybody that owned a firearm for what happened in Port Arthur. And then, of course, when the 96 Olympics come around, it was just ironic that for the first week of the Olympic Games, the only two gold medals that Australia had won were both by shooters. And then it turned things around because it made people understand that shooting is a sport and the firearm that we use isn't a weapon. It's just a tool of the sport because people that define the firearms that we use as weapons are really the people that I don't like. You know, your motor vehicle can be a weapon if you want to drive down the Burke Street Mall and run over people. Then it doesn't become a car, it becomes a weapon. So I think people after 96 understood, okay, there are legitimate people that use firearms in the community and they're no threat to anybody. And I think that's the one thing that winning at that particular Olympic Games helped. Now, Lauren comes from the United States that has an entirely different gun culture than what we do. She's best to answer that part of it. Yeah, I'm not sure we have enough time on this podcast to to touch on that topic. But uh, yeah, I think Australia's mostly got the laws right. I think, you know, here you have to prove you need, um, you know, a firearm license for a reason. There's systems put in place to ensure that the people that hold the firearms use them for the proper reasons. And I think, you know, we've got a very good balance in Australia with firearms and how, how we go about using them. Earlier, Lauren, you stated that you own and run Go Shoot and Werribee. Why did you start this business? Well, it's interesting. Um, it sort of was a means to an end in a way, but it's, you know, it's twofold. Um, first of all, um, when you're an elite athlete um, and your aspirations are to try and win an Olympic gold medal, you have to make that your number one priority. And that requires a lot of time away, you know, going away for World Cups, World Championships. And a boss is only understanding for so much of time when you're saying, can I please go away? I need to go away again. And can I have a few days off to train each week? So you have to be a little bit creative in um, how you diversify yourself or create an income to be able to support, you know, the passion of trying to get to the Olympics. And um, I guess at the time I was lucky that when I moved here, I'd had the American culture of, you know, gun clubs that are set up with corporate events and things like that running. So I'd been exposed to that. And then I was also attending a lot of corporate functions with Russell um, because, you know, he had won an Olympics. We were coming into it at home Olympic games and we were getting the opportunity to meet a lot of people. And, you know, we were, it sort of started by just someone sitting next to me at a corporate function saying, we'd love to 
do a corporate event. And we said, well, we actually think we can do that. And then we did a good job of that and realized there was quite a market there. So it started actually as a corporate day business where we're just taking corporates out. And then through demand, we realized that there's a lot of people that just want to come and try the sport. And I love being able to introduce people to a sport for the first time getting them to hit something they don't believe they're capable of hitting, you yeah. know, the reaction and the, the feel that they have. And then they're, and then coming back to what you said about their understanding of firearms completely changes because they actually start to realize how it is just a fun activity and it can be a very thrilling experience if it's done safely and correctly. And I get to see that every day through that business. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Mac Live on Live FM, live from McKillop College Werribee in Melbourne, Australia. My name is Rachel and my co-host today is Rebecca and our special guests today are Russell and Lauren Mark. With that, was it hard to be a woman in like a man-dominated industry? I'm the one holding the gun, so. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't want to say anything too bad. Yeah. No, um, it is definitely a male-dominated sport. And it's uh it's definitely something that I guess I was a bit of a tomboy, so I did probably fit into the culture of that a little bit um better in that way because I just was raised around it and I sort of just knew uh you know how to manage the boys. Um I was lucky I was got a lot of support, but you do definitely have to um step up and 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 stand up for yourself when you're surrounded by males. And I think that's the case in society in general. I think women are still, you know, fighting for an equal right and to try and get jobs um, that are similar. And it's one of the main reasons that I'm happy that the Indian uh, shooting team has given me the opportunity to be the high performance manager uh, for their team, because that's the first time they've employed a woman to do that job. And, um, you know, I feel like it's a great accolade for women in general that we're getting the opportunities to step up into these types of roles. What advice do you give others? <laughs> that's a that's a very um, hard one. I think um, I think for me, especially having children around the same age as you, um, you know, at your age, don't don't think that you know your life's going to come to an end right now if everything doesn't work out and you fail this project. <laughs> You just can't make your dreams come true coming out of year 12. There's always pathways. Um, I think, you know, the thing you need to do in life is to chase your dreams and open doors. And you may not know what those doors are right now. It could be any number of doors you may not even know are coming. Um, Just try and open as many doors as you can step through and see if it's the right door for you. And if it's not, you know, you can go to the next door and try again. But um, yeah, just, just do life the best that you can and you never know. Uh, what opportunities may present themselves. And Russell, what about you? I think surrounding yourself with positive people is the most important thing. If you've got a a group of friends and they're very negative and they're they're people that tend to be jealous of everyone and put everyone else down that isn't in your group, then they're the sort of people you want to eliminate from your life. Um, you can do anything, as Lauren said, that your dreams desire. But if you surround yourself with people that don't share your dreams, you'll never get there. If you if you start to live your life based on what you think your friends want you to do instead of what you want to do, then get new friends. That That's the best thing I can say is make sure that you stay positive because anything really is possible. You know, you might not be able to run 100 metres in seven seconds. That's obviously a physical impossibility. But as far as anything to do with business or sport, it's what you put into it is what you get out of it. And if you 
surround yourself with people that don't believe that you can do it, then you probably won't. So I really mean that. Get new friends if they're the sort of people you're mixing with. Did you consider this as being your dream job? I always laugh that I was born a shooter and a clay target shooter because (laughs) when you go out to train, it's actually fun. But if you were born a 1,500-metre swimmer, you look at a white line at the bottom of the pool all day. Well, shoot me now if that's my job. I don't want to look at a white line at the bottom of a swimming pool all day. So, yeah, I mean, I was lucky. I got to go to the Olympic Games practising an activity that's fun. And, you know, nothing against Kieran Perkins, who won the same Olympics I did, but, you know, he looked for hours a day staring at a white line at the bottom of a swimming pool. Who's got the better job, me or Kieran Perkins? I can tell you. So, yeah, I, I'm very blessed that that's what I did for a living. Yeah. Yeah. Formula One driver would be pretty good, also, by the way. That would be fun, but wasn't quite up to that. What was your first part time job? The first job, you, you could go first on well, it all. Well, my first part time job was cutting grass at a gun club, funnily enough. That's what actually it was at a a shooting facility that made all the ammunition that we shoot. A company called Winchester had a factory in Geelong and they gave me a job there cutting all their grass. And when I was finished cutting the grass, they let me shoot. So that was a pretty good deal. And then, of course, I went on to university and did probably something, you know, I was a a real estate valuer. That's what I did for a living. But I really didn't enjoy that. And I won the Olympic Games in 96. And the two or three hours after I won the Olympic Games, a guy from a company called Beretta in Italy made his way into the village. He got into the Olympic village in Atlanta, found me and offered me a professional contract to shoot. So I rung my father up at the real estate company back in Werribee and said, this guy wants me to shoot for a living now. And my father said, look, if I was your age, I'd do the same thing. So that's, that's how I got to become a professional shooter. I don't know what your first job was. I've got no idea. (laughs) That's actually sad. Anyway, mine wasn't quite nearly as entertaining of a story. I actually worked at a mortgage company for three months before moving here. I was the uh, photocopier. I stood at a photocopier all day. It was the most boring job you could imagine. But anyway, um, no one can start at the top. We've all got to do the hard yards, start at the bottom and work our ways up. So, And for the final question today... Do you see yourself in another Olympics? Oh, only as a coach for me. I mean, um, the Indian shooting team are one of the biggest in the world. They've certainly got the biggest budget in the world to spend on their sport. Um, our job is to get these guys qualified to go to the Olympic Games. At the moment, they're probably one Olympic short of doing that. I'd say they'll be at the Los Angeles Olympics um, in another in another six or seven years. But yeah, that that's the only way I'll be there. I, I've been the commentator for Channel 7 at the past few Olympics since I retired, but physically competing, no chance of that, I'm afraid. You, <laughs> yeah. your time is up, you need to know your time is up. <laughs> Lauren may be different, but yeah, I Yeah, I actually never said I'd retired because I was always waiting to see what the kids did. So uh, as as you probably know, Sierra was a ballerina for a while, but she's, she's now starting to dabble in shooting. So... Uh, I still, I still don't know, but I doubt that I'll, uh, I doubt that I'll go personally myself. But um, you never know what the future holds. Beautiful, awesome. Thank Maybe. you for your time. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you and talk to some of the people that we look up to. Yeah. Oh, that's- <laughs> 
Well, thank you uh, for having us or inviting us on. And um, I hope you guys do well and uh, both in this assignment and in life. Thank you so much. No worries. Spateri is a very famous shooting name. Are you related to any of the Spateris that shoot? I wish. Yeah, they, they are. I've shot against a lot of people with the surname Spateri. Very common Maltese shooting name. It's in my blood. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One day. It's true. That's all we have time for today. Thank you for our guests, Lauren and Russell Mark. It's been a great pleasure talking to you today. Live from McKeel College Werribee in Melbourne, Australia, you have been listening to Mac Live on Live FM. My name is Rachel and my co-host today is Rebecca. Thank you for joining us and we hope you have found the information today useful. Until next time, have a great day.